Hello, and welcome to the Loop Tail Project podcast. If this is your first time tuning in, yep. I'm so excited. Yep, so excited to have you here. I am here with my special guest today. It's you. It's That's you. Me. It's me. <laughs> also, funny story. We're recording this podcast in my condo, but we're on opposite ends of the condo because it's echoey. So hopefully this recording works out. I'm sure it will. I already miss I'm you. Sh- I miss you too. Miss you, hands. Touching hands. Touching. Reaching um, out. Reaching- Touching, touching me, me. Touching, touching you. Okay, yes. So, super excited to welcome to the podcast, Jemima. How do I pronounce your last name? Galvez? Nailed it. Did I? It. Yeah, yeah. I should probably know it because we've been friends for several years. It's been a long time, so you probably should not have say it, but that is okay. Well, it's all out in the open now. Well, now we know you're exposed. Ending it. No, just kidding. Um, I guess before hopping into our topic, there we have so much to talk about today, and I'm so excited. I feel Me like too. you're the perfect person to have this chat with. Well, I appreciate but I, that. I don't want to give the topic away. You're just trying to ease into it. Yeah, until okay. I until you introduce yourself. Oh, well, not to put you on the it. spot, but is there? Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. So this is me. I'm Jemima Galvez. People call me Jem. People call me Joe Mama. I don't know. There's random names for me. <laughs> it's true. In my 26 years of life, I've come across a lot of different nicknames. I also have a lot of nicknames. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about yeah, yourself I, uh, or anything that you want to share. For sure. Lately, I've been trying to embrace the full name Jemima. I think that it holds a lot of meaning. It means dove. It's very peaceful. Yeah, and it's it's very true to who I am. I'm not much of a conflict person, but I'm learning how to develop some thicker skin. I moved to Toronto about five years ago from Vancouver, BC. I was born in the Philippines, January 1st, 1995. Moved to Toronto about five years ago, trying to pursue music. I grew up in an incredibly Christian home and there's nothing wrong with that at all. I love it, I embraced it a lot. But there was a lot of different ways to navigate through that. Mom's a pastor. My dad works multiple jobs. That kind of lifestyle influenced the way that I see life now, how my parents have immigrated here. I'm trying to figure out how to just survive with the, just the two of them and not even anyone else here as like a base, you know? Mm-hmm. So scary. I can't, I can't imagine doing that like now and not really knowing English that well. But I commend them and I, I love them so much for their sacrifices and that only inspired me more. But yeah, I work in music currently. It's still pretty general, <laughs> mostly in artist management, I'm going to say. There's a lot more to it, but you don't need to go into that too much, I don't think. But yeah, I'm a Capricorn. <laughs> yes, you I am, are. I am the, I, I think Kayla would attest to this. I'm probably like a perfect example of a Capricorn. As she always mentions, am I wrong? The most Capricorn Capricorn I've ever met in my entire life. I was literally in your house. I'm literally here. And I offered to get your cups for you in your own home. And I'm your guest. And I just automatically I just want to take care of people. I don't know. I love that intro. That's very, it was very thorough. And I think painting <laughs> a, a good idea of, yeah, where you've come from. Mm-hmm. Is there any, anything else you'd like to, that I should mention about myself that you're wondering? Well, honestly, I think you did a really good job with giving a glimpse of where we're going to go with the conversation. Also, let it be known, if I decide to keep this part in and not edit it out, that Gem and I are sharing a lemony beverage. Lemony dirty beverage. <laughs> which I think you should really, keep this. Which I think is really funny because when I also grew up, quote unquote, in the church, and I never would think that years down the road, I would be sitting on my bathroom floor drinking a lemony <laughs> alcoholic beverage, talking with you to about a gay, sex- spiritual, sex- <laughs> talking about sexuality and, and church and, yeah. Church and- yeah, yeah. cheers. Cheers. Clink. Thank you so much for sharing a little bit about yourself and to provide context for everyone that 
is listening. For starters, Jeb and I are, are friends. Just so you know. <laughs> so we you are know, friends. We're we actually friends. Like, we're actually close. Mm-hmm. And Jeb and I actually um, first bonded, I think, over our shared connection with church memories. I literally think we were, like, at the front desk and, like, one of us mentioned, like, Ben Cantillon or something or, like, Hillsong. And we were like, ah, you know what that is? You know? Or unless you have a very specific, because it's like, I feel like it was one of those things. I also, we have a friend that additionally also grew up in the church. And I feel like there's certain phrases or memories that people who grew up in the church just know, like, and all, the, and all the Lord's people said, Amen! <laughs> God is good. All the time. And all the time. God is good. <laughs> it's just in you. It's weird. Just like Holy Ghost fire. That's another phrase that was like, that's like super Pentecostal. Okay, straight from the topic, but to paint a background. So Gemini are friends, we worked together. We had a moment where we connected in realizing that we both grew up in the church. And Mm -hmm. as I got to know Gem, and I, I mean, a bunch of time has passed since then, but I think the topic of sexuality and identity within the context of being raised in the church or with the church background is a super important thing to talk about. Definitely. It's a conversation that I've had with a lot of other friends that grew up in the church. And I think it's important, yeah, to talk about, especially on, uh, in regards to like a podcast forum. Sexuality is taboo in the church. Everything that's not, yeah, it's just So, I mean, grab a lemony beverage, settle in, and join us mm-hmm. for this discussion on sexuality, identity, and the Christian church. <laughs> It's a good place to start. This is a layered topic. There's mm-hmm. lots of ground to cover here. But I think a good place to start could be just focusing in on you and what your upbringing looked like so we can get a feel for what a typical day was like, the kinds of beliefs that you were raised with, the kind of narrative that was happening on like a month-to-month basis, day-to-day basis, things like that. So yeah. I know that's a broad stroke question, but yeah, I'm super curious, like, what was it like growing up as a pastor's kid? That's like a whole other layer to dive into, but <clears throat> so my mom, um, along with a couple of her friends from the Philippines that she made out here, church planted this Pentecostal division out in Vancouver. So I think it's, I'm really proud of her. I think as a female pastor and that being like, like not as prominent. It's like, yeah, go mom. That's awesome. I don't know. I think growing up in that was just what it was. It it felt like my normal. Like it wasn't until I like left for a year for school that I realized like, Oh, maybe not, you know, but it was, it was good. I mean, I was exposed to so many people like, speaking in tongues all the time and I just got so used to that and like now I'm like oh maybe it's not like (laughs) something that kids normally experience (laughs) and for people listening that don't know what that is I just jumped mm, in and interrupted you but how how would you explain that to someone that doesn't know well I think that they describe it as like the holy spirit like taking over them and they're just like in it like they are I heard like people being able to speak in different languages like prophesizing to other people in like audiences that speak a language that same language and they're like how the hell is that person talking to me and like you know in French right now but they don't know how to speak French you know what I mean yeah I know exactly what you mean because it was my normal as well growing up in the Pentecostal church like that's just what we saw every Sunday and Pentecostal is super charismatic too like they're like they all they go all out like it's they go all out they and dance I think in the spirit they paint in the spirit they do anything in the spirit. everything in the spirit and i think mm-hmm. i and I, I will say even now i think as a result like i'm i'm very drawn to passionate people mm. and i did i did love that about the pentecostal church they're very passionate like yeah even though my beliefs don't necessarily align with theirs anymore i i really right. love that passion i'm like inspired by it mm-hmm. um yeah, but so. i think when we were at work, someone asked that same question. I just put you on the spot just now. But uh, if you're wanting to learn more, you could just type it into Google and see what pops up. <laughs> God, <laughs> good luck. 
Godspeed. <laughs> the videos will be crazy. We'll be... Rock your fucking mind. Let us know how it goes. Yeah, Happy wandering. in the section below. <laughs> I mean, obviously, being raised that way felt normal for you, but on a day-to-day basis, what was happening like what at home? Like, like was, it, was your, yeah. like, beliefs that were instilled in you? Like, I would imagine love your neighbor as yourself mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. things like that. But is there anything in particular that stuck with you or um, that was positive? Yeah. or for sure. I mean, every day I would be greeted by my mom. She would, like, pray for me before I went out the door. And then at night, whenever I came home, she had this, like, I don't know if you had this growing up. It was like these little cartoon Bible books or whatever. And it was just, it's kind of like a devotional. Oh, Like a yeah. daily devotional, but for kids with like pictures and stuff. And like I, we would read through it every night and um, I would get excited about it. But then at, at some point I got so like sick of doing it. I would pretend to like fall asleep while reading. <laughs> it was bad. And, but I understand why my mom wanted to do it and all that, but yeah, and I think I would also, like, go to vacation Bible school um, and come back, just, like, VBS, and come back just so inspired by it, just being like, oh, like, this is so sick, like, I learned this today, like, life is gonna be like this, and blah, 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 and, like, I would come home and go off, like, I would choose a verse, and um, literally, I would become a pastor in front of my mom, presenting a sermon to her off of this one verse like I would walk around holding the bible I'd be like charismatic I put my arms up blah 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 it was actually crazy how inspired I was to even like think about becoming a pastor like I was like eight I would come home from BBS and just be like a a pastor and my mom was like (laughs) did you want was that the goal did you want to be a pastor it came in waves honestly I like lost touch with my faith a lot, but then I would come back into it somehow. And every time I came back into it, I'm like, how can I apply music that I'm so passionate about into this? And then I was like, oh, I could be a worship pastor. So then I even like thought about going to Hillsong College for a year. Same. Um, this study, yeah. My mom started me, started having me like perform in the worship team when I was like, Honestly, I was five and she had me starting to play like the drums and I would think that a song was over and I would just get up and leave and my mom would be like, no, no, like we still have another five songs to go. (laughs) So I would go back and play whatever, but she had me immersed in it. I think, yeah, like as a pastor's kid, I was at every Bible study. I was at every prayer meeting, every house blessing, every retreat, every, everything. And I would spend like late nights out with them, the pastors and my mom. I was so, so immersed. And now that I think about it, we did like dances and like, oh my God, we did a lot. It's all coming back to me. I would hand out tracks and on Halloween, like I've never, I've never, did I tell you the story? Okay. Like I've never gone trick or treating. So my, my church had this idea to like do like a reverse trick or treat. And instead of receiving candy, we give tracks and candy to the houses. I was so young that I didn't feel the embarrassment or feel a type of way about it, but that's kind of weird. (laughs) Like I I understand where they're coming from and I'm not one to believe in like Bible thumping or forcing something on someone. So it's like, I wouldn't have done that in my own adult mind <laughs> but if you're immersed in that and they're like you do this and you're like okay sure whatever right sorry what were you gonna say I was gonna say it's interesting looking back and this is something I talk about with my friends that I'm still in contact with that we all grew up in the church and now like we're all in different places and we used to go to yeah. this thing called acquire the fire which is like this huge is that conference things like acquire okay, the fire those conferences were the, the best the it's best. so crazy and then <laughs> we used to do this thing. We had this thing at our church called Master's Commission, which is, it was actually pretty cool. So it was like a program that you would sign up to do that you had to pay to do, but mm-hmm. they would perform for the church and it was all nonverbal. So that it was, it was like these kind of like, um, they play like a really powerful song and then act out different stuff. Like it was mm-hmm. like hitting different senses, but it was super like powerful is the word that I, 
would still say they were like powerful performances. Yeah. And they would take master's commission like all through the US and like just perform at different churches. And that's just like very Pentecostal, you know, it's very like, again, like driving from passion and like, I'm not a person that would like stand on a street corner handing out a tract, but like, I can understand the intention behind that. And like, it is, I can just understand where the intention was coming from. They're well-intentioned for sure. Well-intentioned. It's yeah. Yeah. But I think too, on this notion, and this is where... I think maybe we also talked about this when we met, but in regards to relationships and marriage and sex, like I already know the answer to this, but just so we can explain for everyone else that's listening that just doesn't for have context. that, that <laughs> church perspective, what, what narratives were being, I was going to say fed to you, but like what narratives Honestly. were, yeah, we were can say circulating around or influenced or in what, yeah, I mean, as you were growing up, like, what did you hear about marriage and sex and um, sexuality, relationships. relationships? I mean, if you grew up in the church, I feel like there's this understanding, like, man and woman, that's it. Sorry. And I, I was influenced by that. I had that just knocking on me all the time. I, I was a big tomboy growing up. So I think that's where I struggled with my identity as well. Like I full on was wearing like my dad's like massive button ups to school, but I would hide it under my jacket. And as soon as my parents dropped me off, I would like unzip it. And I had gel handy. So I'd slick my hair back. Like I just like wanted to be a boy so badly growing up. Yeah. This girl in like grade three had like a crush on me because she thought I was like a boy. Yeah. You know, but I was a big tomboy into the sports. Like I hated the girls, not hated them. I just like, didn't really, you know, relate. So one time a friend of mine's like my best friend from church, like their mom, like literally came up to me, grabbed me by the shoulders and shook me. And she was like, you are a girl. You are not a boy. Do not wear what you're wearing. Do not act what you, you like dolls. You like, like, it was just all this stuff. And I was like, a kid and I'm just looking at her and I'm like shook my insides were like you immediately felt the conviction you know what did you say you're like I didn't I, I didn't say anything I didn't say anything and like like in a normal sense for me like I don't say anything I'm just like I just take it and I'm like okay okay go through the prayer line oh god anyways so that That's- that was one thing that really shook me like literally shocking, but like, I'm shocked in the moment, but I also at the same time, like I'm not shocked. Dropped. <laughs> I'm shocked right now because obviously I'm not in the church anymore, but knowing being familiar with that background, like I'm not shocked at all. You know, oh. I mean, did anything else like that similar to that ever happen or did it just happen um, once? This one time my uncle was a part of our church too. And he saw me like text a friend. And it said like, babe, but when we're younger, like you call your friends, babe, whatever. Right. It's chill. But he was like, are you a lesbian? And that, that like scared me. That scared me. Cause I was like hoping that I wouldn't have to come out then, but I knew I was gay. I knew that I wasn't straight at all, but to have that be my out was just not how I wanted it. There was like, there were many moments like that that just shook me. But I think the, the worst one was that first one that I mentioned, because that I think just shook young Jen and I was like, okay, I don't need to say anything about, I can't, I can't say anything. So. How, how old were you like when you knew that you were gay? I knew when I was five. Was it like a, something that you could verbalize to yourself or was it just like a, a no, an inner knowing I feel like it was a mix of both, but it was just something that, something that felt natural for me to act on. In Sunday school, like I would, <laughs> I guess you said not everything, anything goes on this talk. Yes. Sure, this is an X, this has an E next to it. It's explanatory. You can <laughs> say whatever you want. I would be attracted to the girls in Sunday school and I would like, I would make a move. Wait, what? Your, your Tell me more. I don't know how much, this is going in the public. <laughs> put it, let's put it in. Oh, no, like I, I just had feelings for girls and I knew that at a very early age and it felt more natural to act on that than to 
act on that with a guy because with a guy I felt like he was like my best friend we're just like buds I felt like a bro Mm -hmm. my whole younger years but yeah how would you make moves on girls in Sunday school (laughs) have you read your bible yet no I don't I don't know can I I don't know I don't remember no what it could even I think even at that age it might be something like wanting to like sit next to them you know or like wanting yeah, to like be like do you want to hang out or yeah. you know do you want to I don't know and then I think we'd just go off and play and then I would just be like have you heard of like kissing <laughs> this is not okay <laughs> I honestly can't recall but I feel really? like some sort of moves were made and uh the kids are kids kids just they do stuff you know I know I keep saying this, but also, like, once a Capricorn, always a Capricorn. Like, being like, hey, you want to share my snack? You can have it. Actually, you you have the first bite. (laughs) (laughs) I still do that. Uh, Yeah. Like, the last bite, and like, Gemini's are like, we want it all. Like, we're like, (laughs) you have the first and last. I'll eat the little middle parts. Yeah. Tinker away at it. I don't know. So interesting. I know we've talked about this, you and I, but. It's so, it's important to say this for anyone that might still be in a church community, but they're still figuring out their own sexuality or I don't know, like. It's hard in that situation because all you feel is, it's confusing, it's limiting, you feel stuck and trapped, you you fear rejection, you fear judgment, you, even though like that's exactly the opposite of what Christianity or like a, like a faith driven thing is, like it's to love and and that's kind of how like I see it now like I'm not as religious as I used to be I just focus on love you know I completely agree I Mm. almost think that I had to go through what Pentecostalism was or like evangelicalism was to get to that point of being like no like love is love is what makes sense for me which I mean it could be a whole other podcast but I think it's really important to touch on the confusion of the confusion that can come with navigating your own sexuality in a church that might be pushing a certain framework on someone or saying things like it is a sin to have a lustful thought. Um, a man and woman must be married before they have sex. And it's like always no a masturbate. man and a woman, no masturbation, no sex before no marriage, no, no blah, porn. no blah, no blah. Yeah, yeah. It's so much. And Mm -hmm. I mean, on that notion, you started dating someone when you were how old? Like a a guy when you were? Uh, Grade three. (laughs) Really? Like elementary school. Like I was, I was dating guys for sure. And then high school hit. So I had like five different boyfriends from five different schools in elementary school. Why are you laughing? (laughs) Why is this funny? Don't hate the play, I hate the game. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But was, I think they were great people. But like, yeah, I didn't start Donnie, dating. Adam, Luke. No, actually, David L, David M, Keanu. Who else we got? We have Calvin, Aiden. Actually, we have six. Jackson, grade six, seven, seven. So and then many. high school, it was just high school onwards. It was like mostly girls. And then the odd guy here and there. Okay, I have so many questions. So as you were dating men, or let's be honest, boys. (laughs) Sorry, Benny's not the right. As you were were a child dating men. Nope, eh, edit that out. As you were dating boys, did you experience any sort of like shame or guilt narrative? You know, like was that surfacing for you? Or were you like, it's okay? I mean, I think in like the earlier stages, no, like earlier grade three, yeah, because it's like you're not, you know, I wasn't supposed to be dating. My mom was always like, don't date until like 21, which is when I first met your dad, kind of a thing. Or, but I didn't, I also like didn't think it was a bad thing until later on in elementary school and onwards, where I just essentially like used guys as like a beard or a scapegoat in a way. Mm-hmm. I, because it's like, obviously, my parents are going to be like, about it because I, I I would literally divert them because if I was paranoid about the fact that they were on to me about being gay I'd be like oh my god that guy right there's so hot like blah, blah, blah. 
or I hooked up with this guy, but like not so I didn't tell my parents I hooked up with whoever, but I was just like, I went on a date with this guy just to make them like wonder or like stop their wondering and like just like focus on what seemed right. Yeah. It, and every time I dated a girl, it was like, obviously just like not the best situation or feeling because it was constant guilt. But I think eventually after my first relationship, which was 10 years, I think maybe two or three years into that, I somehow became numb to all of that church stuff that I grew up with of it being wrong. Cause I was like, I don't know. People just asked me about that. I'm like, I don't know how I numbed out of it or didn't feel bad after onwards. So you started dating girls in high school. So then yeah. how were you keeping that a secret from your family? You told them you're your best friend. You know, you're, 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 you, have a, you, have, you have sleepovers with your best friend. It was actually really lucrative. <laughs> it's it's quite the setup, but so smart. Like, and they would come on like family trips, and it was just like, oh, she's my best friend on family trips, and like it was actually not thinking about it. It's actually mess. <laughs> I just think that as a parent, aren't you dialing into like you know you're a kid? Aren't you? Aren't you? Senses tingling. Sen- yeah, like that's what I, mean, what I would probably. think. Probably. Probably, but it wasn't until I came out to my parents, they were like, what? You know, so they were, they were under the impression that we were just best friends. And I think we played it off well enough. We weren't touching at all or doing anything very obvious. We were just like best friends. So I'm curious if, wow, I so many questions about this because 10 years yeah. is a really long time. Mm-hmm. And then also when you're developing feelings, like real feelings for someone, mm-hmm. It's hard to keep that Under hidden. Like, was it hidden from every? Was it hidden from your friends? Or like, was I it had, real- yeah, no, I had a few friends who who knew, but my partner at the time only had like her sister and mom essentially know for the longer time of it, and I think she kind of wanted to keep that under wraps more than I did, which is fine. I respect that. We were just like in our formative years trying to figure this out. Right. And like her sister and mom didn't know, or, or they knew they did, they did know out of like anyone else. And so, but yeah, I don't, I don't blame her for that. And like with the extra pressure of like high school and like fitting in, like that was another, another layer to add on to that relationship. But yeah, I had friends that knew and they took it really well. I think it was more just, I wanted her to have more outlets too. So she could feel comfortable at the, comfortable about the relationship like I kind of did but I think she was a bit more worried about what people thought and I think because I was so numb to it I was like people have been reacting really well I think I'm gonna keep telling I want to keep telling people you know but yeah that was so you said you were numb to it like numb to I would say numb to the religious idea of it but also kind of just like a bit of the high school expectation because I feel like if you were gay in high school in our time, it wasn't as accepted as it is now. And I can't imagine what that must be like, now. <laughs> like what the ecosystem looks like, but you were constantly just like head down. And if you, if I saw her, it would be like, we would be like, don't touch me <laughs> and try not to be obvious about it, but whatever. But we'd spend a lot of time together after school and whatnot. Yeah. And I, I mean, like to speak to the, what things were like, yeah. I mean, I'm a few years older than you. Only a few. <laughs> Only a few, but I went to a private Christian high school or Ooh. a private Christian Mennonite high school. Ooh. And I, there was maybe 500 kids in the school and like everyone knew. Each other's business probably. And in my grade, no one was coming out. Like there were definitely people in our grade in hindsight for sure mm-hmm. that everyone had an assumption about in regards to their sexuality, not saying that that assumption was true, but it just was not a safe climate to like, we're in a private Mennonite Christian high school. We have chapel. Like like no one's coming out, you know? No. no, no. And it was very hard back then to, Mm. I would have also kept, if I was in a relationship in that way, like I, I it's also terrifying. I so terrifying. And what so I, scary. what I keep thinking about now is now that I know you, you're such an mm. expressive and passionate person. And I would imagine that for 10 years, if you're keeping that secret hidden, it's almost like you're hiding a piece of yourself, you're hiding a part of your spirit in a way. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I'm crying. 
Um, yeah, like actually I was. Are you? I am. <laughs> it's hard. It's, it's, I'm glad that we're talking about this because I haven't really been able to for a larger audience. And I think that not being able to be in touch with who you are truly is hard. I'm going to say this a lot. It's scary. It's hard. It's, it's like, and like not being able to express myself with my partner in the way that I do now and having that, like not be as accepted as it is now. It's like, I'm just so glad I live in them now, you know, (laughs) just so glad. It's really hard in the church because there are people that are really passionate and along with passion comes strong beliefs about the mm-hmm. way things should look and should be. It's very black and white in the church. It's like, here's the line. Well, in, in some churches, it's like, here's the line and you can't be on this side of it. And I, yeah, just uh, as I was just saying, like you're such an expressive and passionate person. And I think growing up in that climate, it would just, if I was in that position, I would think um, I can't be myself or like who I am isn't, good enough or I would just like have all of those thoughts you know Um, I have to hide I feel shameful about who I am like I I just think there would be the climate is a constant reminder when you're there you know around like the church people and you're just like the second you try to feel a bit of yourself it's just like snatched from you like my high school experience like my partner at the time like I was in youth group in high school and I would invite her I'd be like come hang it's just like it's honestly just a place to hang like it's fine but then whenever like the whole religious aspect of it came into play she was just like it's not for me but I'll still come but I think it's not for me and I'm like that's fine um and it was hard being in the middle of the church and her and her feeling judged by the church and then not that we were out or anything. It was just like in general as like a growing up for her as like a non-believer, like, and then as the church, like with like throwing their expectations on us as teens. I think that was one of the most difficult things was being in the middle of that and trying to navigate that without being out and having to hold that in. It just caused, I think it just a lot of like trauma essentially in my head about my own identity. Yeah, and I I think as well, uh, just to paint the picture for anyone that's listening that didn't grow up in the church, the narratives are quite harsh. I don't know if harsh is the right word, but they're just very strong. So what I heard often growing up in the church, it was very like, you're going to hell if you you are gay, basically. And they would then pull a one particular verse from the bible or they'd say like if you are gay you need to go through the prayer line like you need to be fixed served yeah and and obviously like served yeah growing up in like the 90s for me like early 2000s for you there were our church was quite gossipy and i'm by no means Mm -hmm. like i don't want to slander how I was yeah, raised with okay. the church that I grew up in. Like I, I made a lot of good friends mm-hmm. in Same. that environment. And I, I don't want this to seem like I'm like hanging yeah, yeah. them out to dry or anything like that. No, but I'm just saying no. there's, I think within this context, people would talk, you know, like our mm-hmm. church was very tight knit, very cliquey. And so then there would be something floating around. Like everyone knew everyone's business where it would say like, mm-hmm. Oh, did you hear Brian got a DUI and like what his parents must uh, be so embarrassed or like did you hear Sarah's uh, Sarah's gay and she's been sent to this conversion camp and like conversion oh um, yeah. camps or workshops are like very common so if anyone and I, I'm sure it happened but like if anyone came out in our church their parents were automatically like signed I, that's up. what I was also scared of I was like there's no way there's no reason why I should go there and I think too, it's like painting the the picture of like, you're bad. Mm. And this is a problem that needs to be like prayed out of you. Oh, for sure. <laughs> and for what, sure. like that kind of psychological, like that's hard to take in general. You, yeah. Like, even if you're straight, you know, like that's a, that's just a strong belief. Yeah. It is. I mean, like listening, listening as a straight person, if you know that you have a friend that's, that's gay is, mm-hmm. is what I meant by that. But like, mm-hmm. 
I just feel like it's this constant, like you're just not enough as you are. That's exactly it. That's exactly how I took it. And that has carried in every other relationship forward. And obviously that's something I need to work on, but like, it is actually like, what the fuck? Because that's not even what they preach either in a way. It's just so counterproductive and just so like, you know, contrasting. Yeah, and I and I think to that point, when you said, oh, I'm so happy I'm living in the now. Yeah, I'm so happy you're living in the now too because every day that you wake up is your chance mm-hmm. to write this, this narrative over and over again of like the real you. It's your chance to continue to step into like the fullest expression of who you are. And in a yeah. way that I, I'm not someone that's like, yeah, revenge or whatever, you know, but yeah. in a way I'm like, what a great, I'm so happy that you can continue to do that now. Thank you. And I think that you're now I'm like straying from the script, but like, no, it keeps I going. just think that like, you should be so proud of yourself because what a place to get to now I'm jumping ahead, but what a place to get to where you can wake up and bravely yeah like step into who you are and then begin to show that with your friends with your parents with the rest of the world yeah it's amazing thank you so much and I thank you for being there for me in that time um but like with that (laughs) it's it's just so interesting how I let myself just wake up before being 26 just wrapped in what I felt was guilt well but to I mean to defend that point I would also say it takes time to it's not like people are 21 and just jumping into like some 21 year olds some 25 year olds are waking up and they're like this is who I am like yes you know like I wish you know but it doesn't work that way for a lot of people yeah. building stepping into who you are like takes time it takes courage timing you know like it's scary to move away from the beliefs that you were raised with it's scary to explore like what does this mean for me what does this feel for me feel like for me excuse me you can't rush that process wow tickle mm. my throat <laughs> dirty water <laughs> i can't stop drinking it though oh it's so good <laughs> Um, you can't rush that process, you know, because <clears throat> if that process could be rushed, then people would be like coming out of the womb being like, here I am, you know, things just take time. I had a guest on the last episode from Texas, Chris is his name, and he was talking about, he went to this workshop and someone came over and touched his chest like a fellow chiropractor. And he said, um, you can take your armor off now. Mm. And he was Uh, like, oh my God, what? And it was so interesting because immediately he left the workshop or waited until the workshop was done, went home and wrote a forgiveness letter to the person that made him build up that armor. Mm. And similarly, I had an experience where someone local said to me, you think that you need to put more armor on, but what you need to do is take it off. And I was like, "Um, no, like no chance. I was like, absolutely not. And I said to Chris, isn't that interesting? And he said, there's a readiness, there was a readiness there for me and you might not have been ready yet. And it was just such a simple statement, but he was like, I was ready when that person said that to me to forgive. Mm -hmm. And he was like, it's a process and it takes time. And using that same kind of framework, like, I think it's true for exploring your own sexuality or identity yeah. like it you just have to be ready in some aspects to be like okay I'm I'm gonna take that next step and that mm-hmm. takes time it takes a ton of time for different people because it's different contexts we're coming from right some parents are more accepting than others they grew up you know in the yeah, western and- part of the world and my parents were immigrants so like they had their own understanding from back home right so that was another layer to add on And I guess using that as a segue to what happened when you eventually, I mean, I know what happened because I talked (laughs) to you. You were there for it, Kayla. You were there the day I I came out. I was there 
we prayed together. We did pray together. <laughs> in the alleyway of Kensington yeah, Market. Oh, it was a beautiful morning. <laughs> I love was it, my was it raining that morning? It was drizzling. What uh, I, what it, it was what like winter. Sign? Yeah, it was January. One of my favorite oh, moments January. of our friendship. I just wanted to say that it felt right to meet up with you before because I don't have a lot of friends here who grew up in the church and understand that context and are so open-minded to life, you know? So I, I appreciate you being there for me, like on a freaking dime. Like I called you like the night before and like the day of, and I'm like, I need to meet you now. We need to talk about this. I, I need to run through my script. And you're like, all right, babe, like let's go meet up Kensington Market. Let's bring coffee. Okay. Like, okay, cool. Like, let's do it. So I, I appreciate you so much for being there of for course. me. Of course. That's what friends are for. And uh, I think uh, now the, the listeners are listening and they're like, what's happening? So to yeah, get some true, context sorry. around this. So when I met you, you were dating someone, but then not out to your parents. Yeah, and so, met. yep. And so we went into quarantine and on uh, January in, in day in quarantine or evening, quarantine, Jem, yeah, exactly that. You called me and you were like, can you listen? I just want to come out to my parents. So we met, sat on a picnic table because it was quarantine. And it was, I remember I didn't have mittens. Cold. My hands were, my hands were so really cold. cold. And, and this is the interesting thing too, that, I mean, about growing up in the church is there's still some aspects that I've taken with me. Like I definitely still pray. And, but it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's not like I'm walking around, like praying with everyone, you know, mm-hmm. I just like quietly might pray to God or universe like myself. And there are certain people that I might pray with, like, that's a practice that I've taken from the church that is meaningful for me. Yeah. I'm not trying to like impose it on anyone else, but mm-hmm. yeah. And I, I know that you've definitely carried that practice forward in your own life, I think too. Yeah. Ways. yeah. And so that's what we did. Like we went through the script of what you were going to say to your parents <laughs> bullet points in my notes bullet points and then i gave you a little pep talk oh my god uh, and we said a little prayer super quick lots of giggling lots of laughing lots of like what the hell are we doing we're like what are <laughs> people we doing walking past like, people like, walking this is this is this is toronto anything's possible <laughs> <laughs> at like eight in the morning <laughs> yeah but let, let's talk about that again so many questions what brought you to that point wow yeah uh, I don't even know where to start with that I think so I was in a relationship before the current one that I'm in and in that one I I, I felt like I was ready to come out but there was just still this like sense of fear and I was like no 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 not yet not yet and then I met my current partner and on our first date, I was like, by the way, I'm not out yet. How do you feel about that? And, and she was out. And so she was just like, it's not my business, but do what you will. Like, do your, do your thing. And like, like I'm, I'm still good. I'm still here kind of a thing, which I really appreciated. And I began to explore that idea of coming out more when I was with her because I... I think with her, I I feel like the right version of myself, like when I'm with her and she never made me feel bad about my own story and my own journey, my own upbringing. She was only ever like, whenever you're ready, if you want to talk about it, let's talk about it. We went away to Algonquin and I had like a moment and I just bawled in her arms and I was like, I need to come out, but I'm so scared. And she was just like holding me and like, really helping me like walk through that my birthday hit and I think one of my biggest fears was not being able to have my family around me like losing them and so this is one of the first birthdays I've ever had where I felt so loved I felt so valuable and special to other people to the point where I was like if I lose my family I have this group of people this family that I've curated and made to fall back on and I feel unstoppable. And so 
yeah, I, I think after my birthday, like the conversations with my family began to be more challenging of their views. And I was like telling my, my girlfriend now, like, I'm, I think I'm going to do it. And I had another breakdown. She was like, I'll be here. I'll be here for you. Like, just call me and I'll Uber over. Um, but you can do it. And it wasn't ever in a forceful way. It was more just for myself. And I knew that it was for me. And I was like, I need to do this. Cause like, I can't, I cannot be 26 and not out like living my fucking life. Like I cannot, like I need to. And so, yeah, I had a call with my mom and my brother and it was going super, super well. Like she was just like, you know, like, I'm so proud of you. I love you. And then I was talking about how proud of my brother I was. And she's like, I'm proud of him too. And how you both came out. And then I was like, are you, are you proud of me? Like, do you love me? And she was like, of course, like, why would I ever, why would you question that ever? And it was cause it was like on the tip of my tongue that I wanted to come out. I was like, ah, oh, like it was right there. And I was like, no, no, no. Like I need to wait. I need my dad to be there too. I don't want it to just be like the two of them. And so I think after that call, I contacted you and I was like, yo, yeah, 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 I might be coming out tomorrow and I need your help. <laughs> and so, yeah. And I told my mom like, when's dad free? And she was like, tomorrow, why? And like, I need to talk to you. It needs to happen. And she was questioning me all night. She was like, what is it? Like, it can't be that bad. Like, uh, we love you. We love you. We love you. And I was like, just wait for tomorrow. tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> I, I feel like in her head, she was like, oh, you're pregnant. And I'm like, <laughs> I need help hiding a body. <laughs> you win. Um, yeah. So that's, that's essentially how I got there was when I, I feel like I found myself more in my current relationship and I got the support that I was like, I needed. And I didn't know that I needed from both her and from the community I've built around me in the past 26 years. That was the longest way of answering that, but that I think is that. How did, how did they, how did they, wow, words are heard. I can send you the recording my dad, my brother have it. got. You oh, shit, yeah, I did send it to you. It's saved on my laptop under gem video. And literally just yesterday, I found it. I was like, what is this? And I played it and listened. It was so cute. It was, it was actually. But my dad was doing crosswords right before. And he heard me crying. Tell He's everyone. Like, okay. How did it go? It was, it was so traumatic, too. Like, I had a full script. I would put a sign on my door so my roommates wouldn't interrupt. And, like, I'm coming out at this time. Like, it's in my journal now. It's like, it's actually iconic. And I frame that frame that I was losing my mind. Like I had to talk to my girlfriend and like, just be like, I, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. And like my roommates were there for me. We had a nice cuddle right before. And yes, yeah, Amazon speed dial. So like, as soon as it finished, she was like, and she was like messaging me on messenger as the conversation with my parents was happening. She was like, how's it going? Can I come over now? Are you okay? You know? It was, a, it was a big buildup. My anxiety was high. It was so high. But I started off on the script. And my dad, as I said, was playing crosswords. And I was like, God damn it. Virgil, I love you. Listen. And then I, I started to tear up as soon as the first sentence came out of my mouth. And I started to like, my, it was quivering. My voice was quivering. And he like puts his pen down and he's like looking at the camera. He's like, what's going on here? <laughs> and I essentially just said it like, I, I'm gay, you know, like I'm not what you probably expected me to be. I don't even know what I said. It was, it all just came out like 26 years of whatever was bottled up in me, the traumas, the things I needed to hide or felt like I needed to hide just myself. It just came out and spilled out. And I think I mentioned one time to them when, my dad had mentioned where he was like, it's okay if like anyone else's kids are gay, but my kids, no, they can't be gay. And I mentioned that to them and he was quick to apologize for that. He was like, I, I'm so sorry that I made you feel like you weren't seen or accepted. At the time I didn't know. 
And like, had I known, like, obviously, like, I love you. I love you. And like, that's the only like response I ever got from my parents from the get was, I love you. And I just bawled more and la la la. But there's this funny thing. You probably heard it. My mom's like, I knew it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then or when your brother was like, we both like girls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so good. He's, he's good for that little comic relief in there. It's interesting that your mom said that. And I heard that in the video and she was like, I knew it. And I, I'm like, in, interesting that she had an inkling about it, but then maybe- but rejected it. Yes. Immediately and, rejected it. Yeah. And that could be just, who knows, but I- I, I think again, it's one of those like automatic reactions, you know, where you're just like- It's like a classical conditioning in the church. Yeah. It's very easy to get into that mode of being like, that's wrong. Or like that, you know, cause it, it's, it's easy yeah. to get into the mode of like, not really thinking about what feels like, what belief feels right for me. Mm-hmm. It's just like, this is what I was taught. And then it's just, it's reinforced like over and over and over again through youth group. Just the community through, you know, that you're just surrounding yourself in, with. In general, yeah. And Absolutely. I, I also remember saying to you on the picnic table, uh, your parents might surprise you. <laughs> yeah because you were like what if what if what if and I was like your parents could surprise you you know and they yeah. could be incredibly supportive as soon yeah. as you say it you know because I, I I think there's something to be said about the the prisons we build for ourselves in our own minds we're or like we can trap ourselves in with the see, what ifs where we're like it's fear right where mm-hmm. fear takes a huge, it just grows bigger. So then I, I think, and this is hypothetical for me because I, I've never had an experience where I've come out to my parents. Yeah. But I think, you know, fear could, it, it gets so big that it's like, what if this happens? And then what if this? And it's like worst case scenario. And, yeah. and then it can keep you stagnant. Mm. Like it, or like just keep you where you are because the fear becomes bigger than your own instincts or your own desires or you know like that and that's what was eating at me for like my whole life right and for many others as well like in that situation because mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. build up this fear to be a bigger thing than it actually is you just get so get so encapsulated by it you're just like uh no what would you say to someone that's listening and they're in the same scenario that you were in? Mm. What advice could you give them having walked through that yourself? That's loaded. That is a loaded question. That's what we did here. We asked the loaded questions. Oh man. Every context is different, right? Yes. If someone is in a similar situation as me, it might be easier for them to just except coming out and whatnot. But okay, if you were in this situation, I would say, take your time. I would say to, like you said, take the armor off when you're ready to do so. Explore all the options of what it could look like, but also think of yourself, be selfish for once, even though the church tells you not to be, you gotta do something for yourself, you know? And I think that was the most liberating thing for me was being able to just think of myself for once because I'm such like a person that put others first. You right? are. I was listening to a podcast and they, it was a podcast. Yeah. Cause they were like, have you ever met someone that literally just accepts people for who they are? They just like loves, they love people. Ugh, I'm going to get emotional, but mm. Something along the lines of being like, have you ever met someone that just like loves people as they are and like they don't yeah. try to change them? And I was like, that is literally Jim. <laughs> like, I just feel genuinely like, and I just feel like that's you. You just love everyone and you just, you're so accepting. Maybe tying back to the first, what we were talking about when you were like, oh, I just try to love. And mm. I mean, I think that quality about you is has only gotten stronger in the time that I've known you. And that could be a reflection of things culminating for you and you coming out to your parents and like really embracing all of who you are, you know, like maybe that's Mm -hmm. that now that's shining out externally, even more than it was before. Mm -hmm. 
like, I genuinely don't know many people like you. Like, I, I really do feel like you're so pure. You're such a pure hearted person. Truly. Thanks, like <laughs> you just really care and you like really want to help <laughs> and you really do put others first. And, yeah. and so I think that advice too, to just be selfish and look about like, what do I want and what do I need? And yeah. tying into this, mm -hmm. um, what really strikes me about your story is the family that you've built outside of your family that has worked to support you. Like you mm -hmm. have a really strong friendship network. I, I just think it's important to touch on that because you know that like phrase, it's like friends are the family we choose. Yes, sure. <laughs> but it really is true because yeah. there are some people that might come out to their family and their family I mean, this is happening every day where people come out to their family and they're kicked out of the house or yeah. you know, like their family basically exiles them. And yeah. it's like, where do you go? And I, I just think consistently as you've been sharing, you know, you have a supportive partner, but you also have so many friends that are in your corner. And I think that could have been a part of the readiness for you is like, mm -hmm. if they do say no or yeah. not say yeah. no, but like if they do reject me I'm gonna be okay because I have all these other people behind me that really love me for me and 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 support me and I don't know I just, I just think it's important to talk about uh friendships as well just be yeah. like friends 100%. really can the right people can rally behind you and will be there for you in moments mm -hmm. that feel like isolating and just scary. yeah risky yeah yeah Thank you. I appreciate that so much. I feel like um, I just took, took our, our, no, you, really you. long rabbit trail. <laughs> I'd be like, come on, come on. The come on kids, let's go. Come on. <laughs> Let me tell you about Jen. <laughs> it's like you with like your little duckies. Come on, my little ducklings. <laughs> oh my gosh. Let's go down the gem rabbit trail. But, <laughs> A thousand I mean, percent. I think, you know, connected. being able to be selfish going back to that, I think it's huge. If you're going to do something for yourself, do it. If this is it, do it. Because there's no other version of you to live out but you. And along with that, like what you said, it was like the community around you. That's huge. I think those two go hand in hand. As soon as you feel secure in that, or in one of the two, if you're confident enough in yourself, then go for it. Just be selfish for a second. <laughs> Just for a I also think it's important to say from a different standpoint as well, any church that's like not working to embrace how people are showing up as themselves, you know, you, you can always choose to say this dynamic isn't working for me. I'm going to find a dynamic that is. There are other options. I don't. Well, I don't want to be like churches are bad because they're no, not, no, no. you they're know, not. like, I just no. think it's, it's important to say that, like, if you are in a community that's not supporting you, whether or not that's a church or whatever, like there are communities that will support you. You just have to find them, mm -hmm. you know? So I think sometimes we can think that what is directly around us is the be all and end all the, those beliefs are representative of everyone else's beliefs, but that's just not true. And that's something that I've learned as I've moved forward in my life is, oh, you know, if this isn't yeah. working for me, like I can change. There's or, something or, like, else out there that will work for you. Yeah, like I can, I'm I, like not myself, I can change, but I mean like I can, I can pivot and like find a different community. And I'm allowed I, to, yeah. If that doesn't work for me, I can mm -hmm. then pivot again, find a different community. Like you can keep switching communities. Mm -hmm like I just said, regardless of whether or not that's a church, it's a fitness studio, like whatever, like you can keep changing your mind until you find, it's like finding that puzzle piece where you're like, ah, oh, these people love me for me. or like, these people support me for me. Yeah. And it, it might take a few tries to get there. And it's frustrating. Beyond frustrating. Mm. It can feel hopeless, you know, like I'm just speaking from my own frame of reference under a different context, but it can feel hopeless when, yeah, you think that what's around you is it. And that's just not the case. It's its own bubble. You got to leave the bubble too. I also think too, another thing is to just be patient with yourself because 
me growing up in what I grew up in, I constantly had voices in my head saying like, just guilt tripping me or pressuring me to like do it. But I, in my heart, I knew I wasn't ready, you know? So it's like an internal battle, battle with yourself. You just got to be patient with yourself. Is there something that you could do to speed up the readiness or do you think it literally just takes time? I don't know. I think that that is definitely situational for me. I think I took the right amount of time. I think that the way that it happened was perfect for me. And yeah, I, I think it's super like dependent on the person and how, what they're comfortable with. Right. And if they feel like the context mm-hmm. is shifting in their favor, then go for it. I mean, I think that everything happens in its own time, truly. Like I believe that like person to person, mm. but I almost wonder sometimes, I mean, working in the fitness community that we worked at, I saw so many people come into themselves in a different, like in the time frame that we work together, like people change a bunch and become more themselves. And like, that's why I like that we worked there because it was mm-hmm. like, we were a part of this growth process for so many people. So many individuals. Yeah. And sometimes, so to that notion, I would think maybe it's about the community that's directly around you, but then also to your point, I would say, yeah, but that's a process in and of it. So like, that's a part of the process, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it, it does make sense. It's like, take your time. On yourself. On yourself. On yourself. Um, uh, final question. This is a good one. How might you educate someone that doesn't understand or know how to hold space for the LGBTQ community? That is a long one. Can you explain that one to me? <laughs> is this kind of like to like my parents, essentially? How do they hold space for my community? Like how would, if someone's like thinking that being gay is bad or wrong or trans or. I'd simply say it's not. Yeah. And to, it's not your business. Your business in this world is to love others. (laughs) So in that sense, do you think. I don't know if I feel like that I said that, but. No, I think it's a good answer because it also implies that this is a good question because it's like, who do you think should educate them? Like, because if they're, if they're in need, if they are like, being gay is bad, and then you're like, well, it's not, then are you taking on that responsibility of educating them yourself? Or are you loving them? Or are you leaving it? You know? Here's the thing. I would say you would have to love them. Yeah. I would, regardless of how frustrating they can be you're not going to get to them if you can't even put a foot in the door because that action starts with them yeah it starts with them you can't control how they react but you can hold the space for them in the other way so they feel comfortable enough to be like okay what what's going on with this like what does this mean do you know what i mean i do know what you mean and i also think that hate hatred is just fear in a lot of yes. ways. Yes. And so that's the perfect antidote. It's like, well, I'm going to, I'm going to respectfully disagree with you and say that that's not true, but I'm still going to love you. Like, because that's who I am. And, and I, I hope that that part of me shines through that it occurs to you that we're not bad people. We're just people who want to be loved and want to love others and just live this life as happily as we can Mm -hmm. so why like you know like we don't want to keep feeding into that fear and that hatred but we're going to hold the space for you because i believe that your heart can change about this if you were open to it and obviously that starts with you great answer I don't know where I went there, but I went somewhere. Why don't <laughs> I was like, end? Was that Jem? I don't know. It's like Jem like hops on the Peloton, starts biking. That was that was wow. me in my sermon mode there. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, to end the podcast, do you have anything else that you want to share? Like that's re- like residual? I don't hate the church. <laughs> <laughs> to end it, I appreciate my upbringing a lot. I think that I learned a lot from it. And I think that there's a lot that I'm learning about myself even now through that and through anything else in my past, but I don't, I don't, I'm not resentful of it. I think it's made me into a good person 
and not that's not just the church but I think it's the people around me at the same time like I think I've turned out to be pretty pretty good <laughs> considering I love that and I I I got that from you as well without like, even being said podcast, but like as a friend mm. You know, obviously there's parts that I'm still working through, like growing up in the church, but this podcast is not about me. But I mean, I am thankful for the person that I am, basically. Yeah. And I've yeah. held on to certain parts of my childhood that are really precious to me. And some of those parts include growing up in the church, you know, that's yeah. a reality. Yeah. Going to Bible camp, like literally changed my life, you know, yeah. I truly I'm and again, the separate side podcast, but um. I will make sure to link your information in the show notes if that's for you in case anyone would like to reach out. Also, not to sure. plug your singing, but Jem's the best singer ever. Stop. TikTok. No. I genuinely, when I saw you at a TikTok, I was like, yes. <laughs> He's singing on TikTok. <laughs> Can it make it a sound? Make it a sound. Oh my Wait. God. It's literally... Can I stitch this? Uh, so just <laughs> to like it. pump your yeah duet pump your tires a little bit um so i appreciate that thank yeah you. thank you so much for sharing so openly and honestly and for Kayla, thank you for being my friend period i was just about to say thank you for being my friend oh uh, well i jumped the gun there but you know i think we have a very special relationship and i really appreciate it so much so thank you and i love you i love you too <laughs> And I love everyone listening. Yes, me too. <laughs> and yeah. Thank, thank you for listening. I mean, thank you for listening. Thank you yeah. so much for sharing. And um, you're always welcome back on the podcast for a part two. You let me know. And I will like. uh, come with sushi in hand. I'm good at it. I never know how to end the podcast, but it's just being like, okay, bye. Ending, okay, bye. <laughs> ending on an awkward note.